In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Mark. Hi, Liz. Hey, guess what? We are not right now. We are not dancing. No, and also, <laughs> we are not zombies. Uh, who is? Well, that was the whole conspiracy theory that on October 4th, when... Wait, what? Okay, you haven't heard this one? No. No, apparently when that national emergency broadcast oh, thing... Yes. See, you don't get d- deep enough into the TikToks then, because the people who were anti-vaccine, who mm-hmm. thought there was a microchip in it, that emergency broadcast... Oh, it was broadcast, connected to the microchip? Uh-huh. And we were all supposed to get a virus yesterday that would turn us into zombies. Oh... And I was that looking, didn't happen. It, it, you know what, Mark? Once it again. It didn't happen. Hmm. Hmm. Anyway, so we're not zombies. But you Speak just came in. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but you just dropped a huge fact on me. <laughs> and I was like, shut up. Say no more until I hit the record button. Mark. It's not. Yeah. You were on Saturday Night Live. I was indeed I on Saturday Night Live. I thought being attacked by an ostrich that we talked about on our live was enough. But now what? And somebody saw that, apparently. That's a, The ostrich yes. clip. Yes. Yeah. For right. y'all who haven't right. seen our live, right. Mark was a weatherman, also the good news guy. <laughs> and he was attacked by an ostrich once on live television, which was hilarious and made it onto America's Funniest Home Videos. Yeah. We're talking 1992. So my podcast partner here is quite famous. (laughs) But how did you end up on Saturday Night Live? I ended up on Saturday Night Live in, I think it was like 1988. I lived in New York. Actually, I lived in Hoboken, right across from New York, and becoming an actor. So I went to an audition for Saturday Night Live. I got cast as an extra. Oh, my God. And it it was Halloween night. And what was the coolest experience about this is I got to go to rehearsal for an entire week. (gasps) Who was the host? The host was Dad. Coleman. And then the special guest star was Elvira. And then the band was The Cars. (gasps) And then I was in a skit with Dabney Coleman and Dana Carvey called Women Are No Damn Good. (laughs) It was a, it was a, don't, don't, don't hit me for that, people. I mean, I love it. You didn't write it. No. And we were all sitting around a 
campfire, Dabney Coleman and Dana Carvey, and they were telling us about how women are no damn good. Now, it comes to air. Uh-huh. And I'm not, it's over the shoulder shot for me. So you don't really see me. There's no denouement to this story. Yes. (laughs) Other than it was really cool hanging out with Elvira, Dabney Coleman, and the whole cast of Saturday Night Live. Wait, who who were the cast members back then? Is this um, Adam Sandler No. All I remember is, you know, it might have been Adam Sandler. Dana Carvey. That's about all I remember. Oh, God. It was was really cool to rehearse up there. Oh, lucky. I know. Yeah, that uh, was quite an experience, but I really wasn't on it. I mean, right? But, but you, but you still had that really cool. Oh, it was totally cool. And just any time you can get cast in anything yeah. in New York. Oh yeah, that's a pat on the back right yeah. there. That's and pretty cool. I played a Boy Scout, so right. uh, so there were probably eight of us. Oh. So they just needed somebody to sit there, just to sit there. Yeah, oh. right, right. So how this all started when we started talking about it was residuals. So I got <gasps> residuals every time I would play, and so I did with the ostrich too. Anyway, good luck you, you cutting did, that. You, you did with the ostrich, yes. too? You got residuals? Yes, yes. I never thought that America's family home mm-hmm. had to pay anything to This anyone. is the very beginning. We're talking like early 90s. Oh, man. So, yeah, but Saturday Night Live did, too. Oh, I didn't gosh. make any, maybe 20 bucks total. Oh, well, yeah, hey, you can say you year, did it. like 75 cents or something. Oh, that's that's really cool. So anyway. Really cool. Well, that's a bang. I could <laughs> save all of this other surprise stuff I have for you for next episode. Excited I have about two today. big surprises for you. I heard. And the first one is yeah. really cool. I mean, our listeners... You love them. I love them. And also, while I'm on the subject of listeners, head on over to the Patreon, y'all. We have lots of photos and things to share and catch up with us over there. This message that we got to... The other day came from Adrian mm-hmm. Sokup or Sockup. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry that I'm pronouncing your name incorrectly, Adrian, but she sent me the, one of the coolest things. Mark, you're going to flip out. Okay. So she, she was telling me how she loves to research genealogy yeah. and she likes to look at old census records just like me. And then she said, one thing I noticed while peeping at the Underwood family mm-hmm. in 1910 is a certain lodger. Just a few houses down. I'm sure this isn't news to anyone. Uh, Yeah, it is news. But I just thought it was cool and certainly sparked my imagination of how your grandmother's parents might have met. The daughter of a fairly prominent man and banker meeting and falling in love with an Arkansonian or what? Arkansan? Arkansan. Arkansan lodger down the street. So if you look at the 1910 census, you see the Underwood home within Bell with a 23-year-old Bess Underwood living there. And nine doors down, boarding with the Love family is Louie Hartzell. That's on the 1910 census? That's how they met. That is freaking wild. And Belle, I did a little more digging after that. Um, Your great-grandmother worked as a cashier at the bank. Okay. So her dad got her that job. She's 23, so she's, you know, long in the tooth for getting married in 1910. And then here comes handsome They met in Belle. They met in Belle. Next. Wow. Probably at the bank. Yeah, right. What does uh, a lodger? What does that mean, lodger? He was a he had a, boarding. It was a boarding house. Yeah. They they took in boarders. That is so wild. And he was there working to buy lumber and ties and things. Sure. In his little well, business. it was a main train area. Uh huh. It was yeah. yeah. I bet and he, he was, was right there. there. The yeah. Uh huh. He was twenty six wow. years old, and they Thank met you, and listener. Right, uh, 
Amazing. Um, yeah, that's a that's like. Thank wow. God she didn't think. Oh, they know this. No, and no, didn't yeah, send it to me because right. we most certainly did not. I had no clue about. I had that. no reason to look at the 1910 right, census. So ever. this is 1910, and they got married in, in 1910. They got married in yeah. 1910. Yep. And then they had their first kid, Leon, in, in 1912. 12, okay. In Oklahoma. In Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. So they were both in Bell first. Yes. Isn't that something? Isn't and that's that where cool? they met. That's like a big one. That's a big one. So, so I'm so she grateful. just rolled around on the census she was finding just, that. She was just looking around, we ha- having a good time, that. and I haven't gone back that far. So we are eternally grateful now to I know the how lovely Miss Adrian. She has the cutest little picture on her Facebook. Then I got this one yeah. from Lisa Mofford. Okay. And I hope I'm saying that name right, too. So, okay. My name is Lisa Mofford. I know on one of the podcast episodes, you said you would probably never find out who Pickles was. Yeah. I'm attaching an obituary for Wendell Wallace. He looks Mm. promising. It kept bugging me a little. I had been on newspapers.com looking for a great grandpa without any luck, got tired, and decided to go to the Bell Banner, typed in Pickles, and could not believe it. Uh. (laughs) And then she loves the podcast. Um, Lisa, we love you. Is that the pickles? This is pickles. The obituaries. I'm going to tell you. I know all about pickles now. Finally. Wow. If only we could really be sure about chicken. And there's some other uh, nicknames coming up. But pickles, the headline says Pickles Wallace dies suddenly. Oh. Last rites conducted at Bell Christian Church Tuesday afternoon. Funeral services for Wendell Pickles Wallace, who died suddenly in California, were conducted from the Christian Church at Bell Tuesday afternoon. Pickles, as he was better known, died suddenly Saturday morning, July 26, 1952, in a doctor's office at San Fernando, California. Mm. Pickles had thought he suffered from indigestion, and Ray Wallace, we know Ray, of course, he was living out there with Lillian. His boyfriend and Lillian Terrell's and Lillian husband. Terrell's husband, and they're all out in California. <gasps> Bill, yeah. oh. So Ray mm-hmm. Wallace, a cousin who was with him when he died, mm-hmm. took him to the physician. Death was attributed oh. to a heart attack. He was forty-three years old, oh. three months and fourteen days. Oh, pickle! Oh no! I know. It says here wow. he spent most of his young life in Bell, but completed okay. his high school education in California. He married Miss Mabel Crom of Long Beach in mm. nineteen thirty-eight, and they had two daughters. Ah, uh, we were looking for pickles. And here we go. His pallbearers were Glenn Birdsong. That's a name we know. Who else? Roger Lloyd, like Othello and mm-hmm. Roger, and a couple of other Wallaces. Wow. So isn't that so it's sad? It's tragic. His sisters didn't know about their brother's death until they showed up. They were coming to visit. And when they <gasps> got there, they found out their brother oh had died. Isn't that awful? So I looked a little deeper into Pickles. And in 1930, when we meet him in the diary, yeah. they always say we're going to the office. Yeah. To see Pickles? Well, he was working as a salesman for the drugstore. So I guess oh, he had some paperwork yeah, he was right. doing at the Birdsong cool. drugstore, which is why a Birdsong was one of his pallbearers, okay. which is really cool. So the the grocery store was Birdsong? No, the drugstore. Drugstore. Okay, mm-hmm, right. In ni- oh, I found his voter registration in 1936. He was mm-hmm. a registered Democrat. In 1938, he married Mabel Cron. I have a picture of her Mm -hmm. from her high school yearbook. Mm -hmm. And in 1940, they're living out there in Long Beach, and he's a bus driver. Uh When he registers for the draft in the 1940s, he says he's out of work. 
So he's unemployed at that time. And then sometime before 1950, he and Mabel get a divorce. Mm. I found him on a 1950 census. He was living with a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So I thought some kind of boarding house situation. Mm -hmm. But then when I clicked on the census, I found out he was living in a mental institution. Okay. Poor Pickles. So he's so lucky that so many Wallaces were out there in California who could be with him while he had some kind of mental health issue. Now, does it say whether he died in the hospital? Uh, That's what I'm assuming happened. I mean, when he was in, yeah. Yeah, because he died in a doctor's office. And maybe Ray had come to see him, and Mm -hmm. he's like, Ray, I just don't feel well. He's like, well, let me take you to the doctor. So we found out who Pickles was, Mm -hmm. thanks to an amazing listener. No kidding. So now let's get into the diary. I'm Jolene from Bemidji, Minnesota, and you're listening to My Grandma's Diaries. We're here for episode 23, and I had mentioned at the beginning of episode 22 that I was overwhelmed with voice messages, but now that I'm using three per episode, yeah. keep, keep them coming, y'all. Uh, I have plenty more podcasts ahead, and cool. I want more of your voices. I'm Y'all are doing such a great job. I'm so proud mm-hmm. of you. So let's recap episode 22, which was a big one. Mm-hmm. So Elizabeth was in a couple of plays, and she's pining for Bill. She wants his love back, but she was dating a boy named Willard, uh-huh. and by By the end of the last episode, she's ready to dump him because she can't get over Bill. And Bill is acting a lot more friendly towards her, so Mm -hmm. she's excited. We also ended with Dad getting a job from someone named Bob Johnson, and he has to go to Arkansas. So that's great news for Dad and the whole family. We saw everyone in the Bell Banner October 4th edition. That (laughs) was about Bessie singing and Elizabeth playing the piano and the girls on the honor roll. Right. It was amazing. Elizabeth and her team won the contest for the float they made for the parade, and they won the $12 prize. So I hope they went to the drugstore and got some Dixie cups. Mm -hmm. She also wrote that she went to church and shook the preacher's hand and told him she was going to try to be a better person. Right. (laughs) Poor little girl. (laughs) So, but right before we start this entry, we have an on this day. We talked about this in an earlier episode, and Elizabeth only mentions this phenomenon once in the diary. But while everything is going on in her life right Uh now, the trial for the kidnapping of the Lindbergh baby has begun. Okay. So this is going to be seen in the Bell Banners, definitely something she would have known about. Interesting that she didn't write about it because it was the trial of the century. But we might talk about that a little later. And now... We're going to hop right into 1935. January 3rd, 1935. Went to school all day. Went to town and had my hair cut. I feel like a peeled onion, but look a lot better. After supper, I was fixing my music notebook and intended to work on bookkeeping, but Miss Muldrow came over. She's very likable. Francis came in after going to a meeting up at the school. It's so cold, and I'm sleepy, so good night. <laughs> oh, onion. So I know. She feels like a peeled, peeled onion. onion. but looks a lot better. I guess maybe she has poofy hair like <laughs> you, she, right? And yeah, then she shaved, she, she got it cut down, and it was all, oh, you know, right. maybe she has super I thick hair. Like, like you have a lot of onion. thick hair in your family, don't yeah. you? Oh, for sure. I mean, good Lord, y'all's hair is great. Mm. But I think it was last episode when I was looking for Elizabeth Mulgrove, mm-hmm. and now we have a Muldrow, oh, and right. I can't find either one of them. Uh-huh. So, Or it made me think maybe they're the same person. Mm. Anyway, it's a mystery, but a viewer. Yeah. 
yeah. had sent me a message suggesting that maybe this teacher was married, but using her maiden name because back then a mm. woman couldn't have a job if she was married. Uh, uh. So maybe if she's like, no, 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 I'm not married. I'm Elizabeth Mulgrove from Perry, and okay. I want this job. Right. Meanwhile, she's Elizabeth something else on the census in and 1930. We can't find her so maybe, maiden. right? Because I know her name That's and where she's point. from. So it's weird that I can't find her at all. So that was another good viewer suggestion. Yeah, that is. We have the best viewers. I know, for sure. You know what we need to do? You know how Taylor Swift has Swifties? Yeah. We need a name for our people. Grammys. So send us Grammys. (laughs) Hey, Grammys. Uh, So yeah, y'all will have to also send us in. Yeah, Swifties. Yeah. And then in the personals (laughs) of the Bell Banner from that week, it mentioned that Othello and Roger Lloyd returned to their classes at the State University in Columbia Tuesday after spending the holidays with their parents. There you go. So they're both in school together. I love how they seem very close as brothers. They go to school together, and then they'll end up owning that car dealership together. So pretty cool. But I have another on this day for January 4th. Mm -hmm. Franklin D. Roosevelt delivered his second State of the Union address to Congress, and Roosevelt pledged to reduce direct federal relief and begin to replace it with local programs and said he would recommend unemployment insurance and social security and other benefits. So this is this made me think this is kind of early in the depression to go like, hey, the federal government needs mm-hmm. to back off. Mm-hmm. And I did a wee bit of research mm-hmm. and FDR began his 1932 campaign for mm-hmm. the presidency espousing physical beliefs. And he promised to balance the federal budget, which Herbert Hoover had been unable to do. When FDR came into the office, the national deficit was $3 trillion. That's a lot. Budget balancing really didn't match the reality of the economic system for America. And in a speech from 1936, FDR defended his continuing a federal program by saying to balance our budget in 33, 34, or 35 would have been a crime against the American people. To do so, we should either have had to make capital levy that would have been confiscatory, or we should have had to set our face against human suffering with callous indifference. When Americans suffered, we refused to pass by on the other side. Humanity came first. Mm. So mm-hmm. it's true. And it was mm-hmm. interesting that he came in at the beginning of the Depression saying, mm-hmm. I'll balance the budget. Right. How in the world could you do that uh-huh. when there were so many programs that you needed to start? So I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. That, But in 1935, he's saying, hey, I can still do it. Yeah. You know, so. But on a, they went local. And is that what happened? Do you know? I mean, I, I, I wonder if. I don't smaller, know. you know, programs, the alphabet soup programs popped up locally and true, true, know, true, true. So true. it may have been geared toward that. I think so, but I thought that was an little yeah, interesting totally on this day and something that I really didn't know about FDR. Totally. January 5th, 1935. Ironed all morning, went to town for some stuff. We had a real late dinner. I went down to Mrs. Farrell's to take a quilt pattern. Went to town, met Louise. I went down with her, and she came back with me. Dot was here, and she and Francis were asleep. We talked on the bed. I walked a piece with Louise. Francis and I went to town after supper and got some stuff for tomorrow and our shoes that Mr. Lindner fixed for us. Played bridge with the other three girls afterwards. Brr, it's cold. 
Daddy is coming home in two weeks and bringing the car. He's to use the companies. Okay. And this actually made the front page. What, Daddy coming of home? Of the Bell Banner. Yep. Oh. It says, Hartzell takes position down in Arkansas. S- Louis Hartzell went to Noble, Arkansas last week, where he took a position with the J.B. Johnson & Son company there. His work is buying cross ties and timber for his company. Huh. When he left here, Mr. Hartzell did not know if the position would be permanent or not. Yeah. Poor Louis. Okay. Well, so that's a little gem at of least information. It's true, but at least he's getting little work here for and there. Sure. We did get a comment on our Patreon yeah. today, yeah. like right before you came, and someone was like, my dude. <laughs> all right. They're like, lay off Louie. He probably yeah. was traveling looking for work all the time. Yeah. Well, I, I, do, I don't, I, I don't I, doubt that. I don't doubt that. Either. I don't think we ever think have he, mentioned think, we doubt it. I think dude is right. <laughs> I think he's, yeah. No, I agree. 100%. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and I, we do give Louis a hard time when it comes to drinking and not really being right. available. But, yeah. and, and his family was working in the fields when he's off. Yeah, but he was looking. He, yes, we agree, dude. Yeah, we we do. We do. So now we're going to meet Louisa Farrell. And she's the wife of the town doctor that we always see in the bell banner Mm -hmm. and in the personal ads running off, helping people in the middle of the night. She was born in 1876 in Pennsylvania to German parents. So she was a first generation American. Her parents were Charles and Rosine, and they had immigrated from Darmstadt and Wutenberg, or Wutenberg, I guess. And those are both very very close to Frankfurt mm-hmm. or Stuttgart, if you're familiar with the German map. And they're also about an hour away from where I lived in Germany oh, really? for four years. Heidelberg? I lived that- in Würzburg. Oh, okay. But really, I lived, it's like, I lived in the little town next to it called Kitzingen. Hmm. And all of this looking at the map made me think, mm. I wonder if the little house we lived in is still there. So I looked up no. number three, Kaputzinestrasse in Kitzingen. And there was our little no house. Way. It looks exactly like the day we left it. Oh. It's one of those little German houses where the bottom is stone, but the top has the little wood crosses uh-huh. and the wood okay. outline. Beautiful. I mean, just like yeah. a little German little. Little Hunt, German village. Little German um, gingerbread we, house. We lived on the second story, and there was a beer garden in the backyard. Uh, so that's wow. how I learned to speak German. I'd go sit with the men at the beer garden and try to just pick <laughs> how up German. Cool. I know. It was All right. lovely. So there you go. There you have it. Tell us what year that was again. Um, I was there from 89, no, 87 uh-huh. to 90. Okay. Yeah. Exactly when I was in New York. That's why I didn't on, know about uh, Saturday Night Live. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's a mystery how Louisa, who was born and raised in Pennsylvania, even met her Missouri husband, mm-hmm. Dr. Farrell, who, by the way, was William Farrell. So he's Will Farrell. Yes, I was going to say, that sounds familiar. <laughs> but they get married in 1908 in Missouri, mm-hmm. and then her whole family moves and follows her out there in 1914. Uh-huh. The Farrells have four children, and the good doctor will die in 1947. So Louisa goes out to Oklahoma to live with one of their children, mm-hmm. and she dies in 1967. Okay. So the Farrell family. January 7th, 1935. We had our first bad weather of the year today when it rained. I certainly do miss Daddy. I'm going to bed rotten early. I hope I can sleep. But if I get to thinking about Bill, I'm not going to sleep. He's my insomnia in a gigantic way, and I don't mean perhaps. It doesn't do any good, though. January 9th, 1935. Practiced with Virginia and Gladys after school to sing in the Junior Assembly program tomorrow played the piano. 
After supper, I had to go to the school to practice with Virginia. After we got through, Virginia, Miss Mulgrove, and I went to the drugstore. So now we have Mulgrove and we had Muldro. Yeah, right. It's mm-hmm. so confusing. But I can't find either one of them, so they are invisible people. Mm-hmm. January 10th, 1935. Went to school all day. Played for Virginia to sing Stay As Sweet As You Are for the Junior Assembly Program. After school, Virginia and I went down to Dots. Bernita was down there. We went up to her house and played bridge. Mrs. Dickman played with us. Ate peanuts and fruit. Gee, I'm wishing for something. She's always (laughs) got an itch. It's funny we have a Bernita Dickman in the story, and we Mm -hmm. had a Bernita Dickerman back in Step Rock, and I couldn't find either one of them. So it's (laughs) with interesting names like this, it's weird. But Stay As Sweet As You Mm -hmm. Are was a hit song in 1934 in October by the Jimmy Greer and his orchestra. So what I love about this is Elizabeth is totally up on playing the latest hits. Yeah, She gets her sheet music, and she learns these songs, and it's like a little top 40 action. Is that what it is? At the school. Yes. Yeah, a modern song. Uh Uh-huh, and I can, you know, I Classical. Exactly. Mm. I took piano, and I can remember, you know, when songs would come out Mm -hmm. asking for the sheet music and wanting to learn them. So she's like, she's keeping current. Cool. But I'm going to play- Rock on, Grandma. A hundred percent in her band. I'm going to play a little bit of Stay As Sweet As You Are right now. January 11th, 1935. Mother Frances and I talked over old times. Aunt Ella is sick in bed and won't be able to walk for a long time. It's some kind of rheumatism caused from constipation. Oh, oh yikes. Okay. Yikes. Okay. Well, I gave that a little Google because yeah. I wanted to know what that was about. Yeah. And actually, it's the rheumatism that's causing the constipation. Okay. Uh, and the primary symptom mm-hmm. of RA, which is rheumatoid arthritis, mm-hmm. is inflammation of the joints. And it can affect almost every organ in the body, uh, including the GI system. Okay. So people with... RA are approximately 70% more likely to develop GI problems oh. than those without the condition. Wow, okay. Yeah. So poor Aunt, poor Ella. Aunt Ella. She ends up dying of cancer of the mouth. Really? I remember that in her. I can't remember. I do. Yeah. Because we were like. I remember oh. seeing it. And yeah. all this time she's getting sick all the time. And I yeah. just always wonder if it was there just kind of waiting. But I don't know how cancer they had. Kind of cancer, I think, in the family because Aunt um, Grace died of cancer. Well, that's the Underwoods, and this is the Heart Souls. Right. So, so there's yes. cancer on both sides of your family. Oh, sorry, bad news. Mm-hmm. <laughs> January thirteenth, nineteen thirty-five. Waited on the mail a few minutes with Gladys. Talked to Carl, my heartthrob, next to Bill since before Willard. Boy, I've got the blues. I'm praying to the good Lord to help me forget Bill, since I can't have him. (laughs) Maybe she needs to stop talking about him so much and just start thinking. But now, but of course, it didn't stop her from going, ooh, hi, Carl. 
Right, right. How are you? <laughs> no, yeah. And I don't know if that's Carl Wallace. There's right, another Carl say, in yeah. town that we're going to meet uh, okay. later. So well, I do don't, we know? We do, we just don't know right now. Which right, one. because there are two Carls who oh, okay. are around her age that, uh, and we're going to meet one later. So it could be. Okay. I have no idea. I gotcha. But oh, but they do talk about waiting on the mail, and we had spoken that day. She wrote. Mm. In the morning and got an answer at noon from, from her letter that you you just go drop off the mail. The guy probably puts it right That's in your wild. slot. I just don't get it's it. Just, That's like a phone call. It's such a small yeah. town. Yeah. Isn't that wild? Yeah. I just love that. I do too. That's... And they can wait on the mail. The guy's like, I'm sifting through it. I'll be <laughs> done in a minute. And like, okay, I'll wait. Meanwhile, they live a quarter of a mile away from the exactly. person. They can just run. Right. Mm-hmm. They can just. Yeah. <laughs> Very true. January 15th, 1935. After supper, we made some fudge. We girls found out how much it would cost to furnish a new house. Only a thousand dollars and some odd. Not much. Huh. Um, okay, a thousand dollars even today sounds like a lot to me, but I did. Okay. I did the calculations. It's actually twenty-two thousand dollars in wow. today money. But if they're furnishing a whole house, big house, maybe not that not big, big. But dining rooms, you know, okay. you'll need at least three or four beds, sofa. So they had nothing. So today you'd be hard pressed to get that done for $22,000. Yeah, I guess. But it does make me realize that you and I were right when we figured out when dad went to sell his lot in Pangburn, yeah. it was all their furniture and yeah. stuff that there they were storing in the, like, there you go. probably in some barn at okay. the farm with sheets over it and exactly. stuff, right? But also grandma's dead. Mm-hmm. If they're leaving that house, why don't they just take her furniture? That's what I was thinking. Because clearly but everyone I'm, has a place to, to sleep. They had to divide it up, I'm sure, between I all those kids. I guess they do. You know? I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although all the other kids are grown up and have homes of their own, but they might want grandma's well, bed or grandma's yeah, right. chest of, of drawers. Course. That happens. So we hmm. were we were totally Questions. right how we figured out about Pangburn. Yep. So good for us. <laughs> January 16th, 1935. We seniors ordered our cards, announcements, programs, caps and gowns, and scholastic records for $4.25. What is that? They're getting their invitations to the graduation, mm-hmm. and you would get those little calling cards. Did you have those no, with your high school? No, I don't school? know what that is. I still have mine. What is it? Like it a was card? just like a little card that said like Elizabeth Legree Butler, okay. and you would add it with your high school invitation for oh, graduation. Oh, you know what I do? I'm, kinda, I'm sure yeah, you did. I think yeah. so. Yeah, your mom just sent them out. I, I did. My not mom have, made me address you're right. all I, mine. I'm sure I didn't. Because you got to you got to get your gifts. But this made the bell banner. Yeah, and they're not happy. Who, the Bell Banner? They are not, yes, the Bell Banner. Their, art, their little ad or article says, Seniors send large order away. The banner ignored. <gasps> oh. Calling them right out. You don't do that. I know. A contract for caps and gowns, commencement announcements, personal cards, and other graduation paraphernalia was awarded to the Intercollegiate Press of Kansas City recently by the senior class of the high school. The contract price was $4 a student. There are 34 enrolled in the class. The order was voted refusing all requests of the banner, all caps, a local enterprise for display of their lines before the class. <laughs> Ooh, what? They went elsewhere for their business. Oh, my gosh. And in a way, you know, these days, like shop local. Yeah, right. That's Even what back then, yeah. they're like, uh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And poor huh. little bell banner. I know. Uh-huh. Nobody puts the bell banner in the corner. Uh, that's right. But the bell banner is, they're doing the Lord's work because they had this Seriously. really cool article in that same edition. Mm-hmm. And the title is, OK's Nudism. Yeah. A bland woman points the way to health through the wearing of no clothes. Well, they were progressive. This is a letter to the editor. It says, Dear Editor, 
Nudism, to me, is a clean and healthy sport, and I am glad of an opportunity to express my sincere opinion through your columns. If there is ever a colony organized in this county or within a reasonable distance, you can count on me in on it. I'd join in a minute and would stand in the defense line against any sour old maiden or so-called preacher of the gospel. I have your promise that my identity will be kept a secret because of local affiliations. You understand I am sure. I would join with such a group for several reasons, and no one reason is to cast an eye upon the opposite of my sex dash a man. I have a husband myself and am a member of a mixed family of brothers and sisters, and it is not my desire for any sort of indecency that my ideas are what they are. I don't believe any true nudist goes into the belief on such terms. Yeah, right. Isn't it a great thing to be able to undress and retire at nights free from any thoughts of or binding or pulling from clothes? No cramp feet to suffer, etc. Don't you think the Lord meant for us to be free and equal? Sure, he did. How much more healthful we would be with the rays of the sun on all parts of our body. Where is the man or woman who will deny this? Um, Okay, she's sitting right here in the chair. If for no other reason than nudism should be practiced in every community. I love her. Okay, get this part. And my husband and I are the best of pals and are broad-minded to that degree to see the realities of life a little different than what is preached in small towns. Sincerely, Mrs. Dot, 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 Bland, Missouri. Wow, this movie is indeed writing itself. I mean, girl likes to take her clothes off. Oh my God, that was a little TMI, but we're all for that. Is it what inspired you, her to write this letter to the editor Seriously. to talk about nudism in this little town? Yes, what's really she was funny? The town nut. I didn't save any of the other articles for the people who retaliated against this letter I, to the I'll editor. Bet there were, yeah, and most of them were ministers. Okay, who were like, we would no way this is going to happen anywhere uh-huh. near our community. And mm-hmm. then they bring up, you know, Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. I'm like, but Adam and Eve were born naked. Yeah, yeah, and it wasn't until they <laughs> ate the apple that they put on clothes because they were ashamed. Oh. So the minister is making this woman's point for wow. them because we all come under the world a little necky. Well, she does have a point. I mean, there is that. And what what does RuPaul say? You're born naked, and the rest is drag. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I, I love that. Hey, anytime you get dressed, you're putting on a persona. Yeah, whether yeah. it's you know yeah, yeah. you wearing shorts and a t-shirt, or right. me wearing a dress, yep. or me we putting on a lot of makeup. Uh, so yeah. that's my favorite RuPaul. That's quote. cool. Yeah. Hello everyone, this is Liz Kisner from Butler, Missouri, and you're listening to My Grandma's Diaries. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. 
That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. January 18th, 1935. Went to school all day. Francis and the kids went down to Fred's with the car. It's raining and has been for the last few hours. Listened to Daddy tell about his new place of work. I'm so sleepy. Told Miss Reem about my stories today. So Miss Reem mm-hmm. is her music teacher, oh. and we're going to see her progressively get really close with this teacher. Okay. So she must have confided to her that she likes to write her mysteries gotcha. and murder, murder stories mysteries. and yeah. all that. So we love Miss mm-hmm. Reem. Also can't find her. So okay. there you have it. January 20th, 1935. Went to Sunday school this morning. Mabel brought us home and told us a secret. After dinner, I went over to tell Mrs. Robertson about Mr. Wooten's death. All us kids took Dad to the station, came home and read. We took the car down to Geik's. Daddy sold it. Boy, there's a real blizzard coming. But we went to CE in spite of it. Went to church afterwards. I played. It was the Baptist church. Okay, first of all, the thing that just now caught my eye yeah. in real time, mm-hmm. she played at the Baptist church mm-hmm. where the Barbaricks and the other mm-hmm. family got voted out because they, they were selling right. liquor, and then Dot Johnson took over playing the piano, yeah. but Dot's a friend of Elizabeth who maybe right. couldn't play because, oh my lord, there's a blizzard coming, oh, and Elizabeth right. went and played for her. Okay. So that's that Baptist church. Huh. I thought that was interesting. That is. I guess it's a good thing that Dad sold the car, but since it said in that article he didn't even know if this was was a permanent job. Uh-huh. He's driving the company That's car. That's what now. I thought, yeah. Mm-hmm. So they sold their car. Didn't oh. even really know they had oh, a car, but otherwise, right. how is dad getting around? Okay, right. So they made a little money, which was good. Gotcha. But then Mr. Wooten's death was yeah. mentioned in the paper. Okay. It says Daniel Wooten dies suddenly. Daniel Wooten, for 22 years connected with the water department of the Rock Island Railroad, died suddenly at his home here Sunday morning, January 20th, 1935. Death caused of a heart disease came at 5 o'clock. Mr. Wooten was born in Tennessee and had lived in Missouri for many years. He was employed by the railroad at its pump station here until recently when his condition became unsafe for him to survive his duties there. I thought that was interesting. What they said he died of a heart attack. Mm-hmm. What condition was did he have? Like maybe Something, he had a bad heart. Yeah, and right. maybe working Congestive on the pump heart. station yeah. is a lot of work, and he was getting winded. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Did it say how old he was? I mean, when was that? Let's maybe see. I tuned out for a second. Um, when did he die? He was. Uh, no, you know what? Didn't I have no idea? He yeah. died in 1935. No. Yeah, I mean, he died in what? Well, this is his obituary. Oh, that's right. Yeah, never mind. Right. Yeah. Never mind. I mean, how old was he? I when know. was he born? I it, mean, it does not say. What was his age at death? Is what I mean. Yeah, he, they said he lived there for twenty-two years. Right. He and got worked. married. So he must have been at least forty. He got married in eighteen ninety-three. So oh, he was an eighteen seventy. Right. Let's say yeah. he was twenty when okay. he got married. Yeah. Okay. Oh, and this is another interesting thing I saw in the Bell Banner that gets zero mention in the diary. Uh-huh. It says Mrs. Louis Hartzell is recovering from an attack of the flu. The siege of illness has been with Mrs. Hartzell for about a month. You have got she doesn't mention anything? Like so, mom doesn't feel good or anything? Not a word. Mom's had the flu for a month, and Elizabeth has. I she's so hung it, up on Bill, on boys, and being a senior and all right. of her senior class stuff. Yep. That I guess mom's illness is like well, just like any other girl, I guess. With, but you a know, month, a with month with the flu. Ugh. 
that had to be kind of scary yeah. too with, yeah. you know, the their pandemic just being yeah. from 18 years ago. 17, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that had to be horrifying. Mm-hmm. But it made the paper. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> January 26, 1935. Helen and I went to the pond to skate. Margaret, Buddy, and Mrs. Davis were around there. Went back to their house. Bernice came and wanted me to go with her to borrow a car. We went for Bill. After supper, Margaret and Buddy came over. They took Bill home kind of early. Ah, they stole Bill. <laughs> so she had an in there for a hot minute. Right. And then he goes. But anyway, speaking of Bill. Mm-hmm. January 28, 1935. Went to school. We had a class meeting that lasted two periods. Bill resigned. Willard was elected, and I was elected secretary. After school, Erlene and I talked on the corner. After supper, I went to Dots. Aura, Virginia, and Victoria were there. We all went to the pond. Nadine loaned me her skates. Bill held me up, but I couldn't skate. Bernice brought me home. That's all. So nighty night. So she got a little snuggle from Bill. But Bill's resigning is actually going to start something in this town Mm -hmm. that we'll talk about as it involves. So this is a big deal. But it made the paper. Terrell resigns as senior class head. Kaiser, who is the principal, they call him the superintendent. Mm -hmm. Kaiser has nothing to say on the subject. Willard Geick succeeds Terrell as president. So it talks about how Bill called a meeting on Monday. His resignation came suddenly and without any comment by the public previously, but it was understood Terrell's leaving his post was due to friction between his idea of class government and that of the superintendent and class sponsor, E.A. Kaiser. The conflict was over the senior play. Every year the seniors pick a play and do it, and Terrell thought the date should be set sometime soon. Let's do it. And Mr. Kaiser said, no, we should do it at a later date. That was it? Who cares? <laughs> really? And then Bill resigned. Yeah. And but Elizabeth was elected secretary. Bill is quoted. Oh. He said, I merely thought the class should have something to say about arrangements for its graduating activities, mm-hmm. the former class president said. When I saw I couldn't agree with the class sponsor for the interest of the class, I figured it would be best to step aside for someone who would. Superintendent Kaiser refused to comment other than to verify the resignation of Mr. Terrell. What in the world? Wow. This seems like a That's little serious. too much drama. Yeah. And that alerted me immediately, like, who cares? Right. And if Bill probably talked to his attorney father about it, mm. and his attorney dad was like, you know, just resign, and uh-huh. blah, blah, blah. So I thought that was interesting. But it does say Willard Geick was elected to fill the vacancy caused mm. by Terrell's resignation. Mm. Elizabeth Hartzell right. was elected secretary. Yeah. So she made the paper once again. And a committee has been appointed with the assistance of Superintendent Kaiser, and they'll select several plays to be voted on. Oh. Okay. So wonder I wonder what they went with, Rent. I think we'll find out. Oh. So now this means Elizabeth has dated both presidents of the senior class, Bill and now Willard, <laughs> who's taken over because she was dating Willard. So she gets around. And this was also in the paper, and Elizabeth said nothing about it. Yeah. It says, Miss Leora <clears throat> Pierce was reported quite improved this morning after undergoing an appendix operation at the Bethesda Hospital in St. Louis Monday. All right. Well, Leora is her friend and next-door neighbor. Oh, 
And she didn't, she didn't even mention that Leora had to go have her appendix it's out. It's so interesting what she doesn't write about. Right. Oh, and this was an interesting paper. This was another article mm-hmm. of interest that I wanted to read. Young couple die within three hours of each other. Mm. <gasps> Oral F. Parker, 25, died at 1 a.m. Wednesday of last week from pneumonia and was followed three hours later by his widow, Dorothy, 18, oh. at their home near Hayden. <gasps> is that near Bell? I, well, it was it was close enough to be in the Bell oh, Banner. Was, this was in the Bell Banner. Yeah, all of this is Bell Banner stuff. Oh, so, oh my what? god! 20, does it say how she died? I'm assuming she also had pneumonia. Had pneumonia. <gasps> Ooh, and then probably I don't know if her grief overwhelmed oh, her. And oh my god! Yeah, three hours and twenty five and eighteen at one a.m. and then I guess three, four a.m. in the in the who found Jeez. him? Yeah, I hope they had a phone. Anyway, that's... I wonder why she didn't write about stuff like that. I get, I try to put myself in her position sometimes Well, and I see think, if I would write about it. And I don't know if I would write that. I, I don't, don't think I would write. And she right. didn't know them. Yeah, exactly. So if she... Right. But it does say the funeral was conducted Thursday and burial was together in a casket. Huh? Does that... Is that So normal? they were both buried in one casket. Does Not, that happen? I, it would have to be a pretty big casket, <laughs> right? I mean, moms and babies, I've heard of being buried oh, together, yeah. certainly. I, but I don't know if I like that I, I, well, image. I guess it's romantic. Sure. Oh, Why not? It's very romantic. Yeah. That's one word for it. Yeah. yeah. And then I found this article, and this took me on a rabbit hole. Oh, it good. says, Sorrel-Sorrel. Yeah. Lyndon Sorrel and Miss Iva Sorrel were united in marriage on Saturday afternoon, January 19th, at 2 o'clock, in the home of the groom at Redbird. Are those um, the two who died? No, Wait. this is a totally different article. Okay. It's someone named Lyndon Sorrel marrying a woman named Iva Sorrel. Uh, uh-oh. They have the same last name. <laughs> so don't you know, I spent a good 30 minutes I'll on Ancestry tracing both of their I'm family sure trees to see how closely related. They are third cousins. Yeah, so tough. we're safe. No, we're safe. Is that good? Oh, yeah. That, they have that's the same great-great. They have the same great-great-grandparents. Okay. So that's okay. Okay. I mean, their children that's... won't have extra fingers or anything. Okay. Well, then there you go. <laughs> hey, royalty is closer in relation okay. to that. So as soon as I saw it, I'm like, ooh, <laughs> you're dating someone with your same last name. I know, that's weird. So now she's Iva Sorrel Sorrel. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And she's 18. Oh, well, no, that, was, that was, no. Oh, that was the other, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. I, I know it's confusing. It, well, sometimes. It, it is, it is. February 2nd, 1935. Didn't do much of anything this morning. I felt rough. After dinner, I went up to the church with Francis to practice our play. I'm Miss Carrie Germs. After we got through, we went to town, saw Bernice and Jerry. They were going hiking, so I went with them. We walked out north on the highway about a mile and then came home and lay around. After supper, I played cards. Daddy came home. He has to go down to Aunt Ellis. So Ella's rheumatism is apparently getting worse. And dad was helping Ella a lot out when grandpa lived with them. So I guess she doesn't have a man. She lives on a farm. So I guess Louie. But Louie has a new job now. Mm -hmm. You would think the people who lived closer, Carl and... Deal, well, right. Delia's family, Prince, they right. could go help her. But I guess they're taking shifts, you know, mm-hmm. so bless her heart. There was an article in the newspaper about this play. Mm-hmm. And this is the first time we'll see Francis 
in a acting play? as oh. well. And one other Hartzell member of the family, which is neat. But the article, the play was called The Strike of the Ladies' Aid. Okay. And I'm looking at the cast list, and they have names like Mrs. Takem Pills. No. Mrs. O.U. Silver. Mrs. Carrie Germs, Germs. that Elizabeth was. Miss I'm a Whatnot. These are drag You're names. You're kidding. <laughs> <laughs> They have uh, wow, yeah, Mrs. Takem pills. So I don't know what this play is about. I guess it's How? about eye hygiene, maybe, or taking care of yourself. Her name was Carrie but, Germs. Uh, yes, that's hilarious. The second lead is Sadie Razor. She makes uh. cutting remarks. It uh. says, and that was played by Francis Hartzell. <laughs> And then there's a uh, character, the grandma, who is deaf, and that's played by Bessie Hartzell. No. So she was in the play, too. Oh, my God. This is so cool. I know. So the three Aww. oldest Hartzell girls. And you couldn't find a copy of the play? I looked for yeah. it. And no, I no. couldn't. I, I thought that was so... so I, don't I, know if I they, would love to see what that was Maybe they wrote it themselves. Yeah, right. Something Although, like that. it's a two-act play. Uh-huh. So it's got to be real. Uh Tickets were 25 cents each. You could get them at Birdsong's Drugstore. (laughs) So there you have it. February 4th, 1935. After supper, Francis and I went to Mabel's, played dominoes. We all talked to them. I've had the blues today. I wish I could talk to Bill. He could help me, I believe. He walked home from school with me at noon. Okay, so Bill mm-hmm. Bill's like eking his way back, back in. in. And you know what's really funny? I was writing this for the podcast, mm-hmm. and the very night I wrote about mm-hmm. all this, I went to rehearsal, mm-hmm. and the kids there, there are lots of younger people in this play, they were talking about dominoes. Oh, cool. And I thought, that's so many, we have had a lot of freaky things happen with the diary, but that was one of them. And then I got to thinking dominoes. I mean, how long has that been around? And dominoes were actually invented by the Chinese in the 1300s. They were meant to represent every possible roll of dice. Oh. The individual tiles are called bones because they were originally made from the ankle bones of animals. Oh, all right. Okay. So, but these kids were talking about games like Mexican Train, and they had Uh all these domino games that they play Uh with their families. And I thought, I got to whip out some dominoes. Sure. (laughs) Dominoes for game night. Yeah. It'd be like like something you could keep coming back to, like a jigsaw puzzle or Jenga, right? All right. That might be kind of fun. That would be fun. Do it. February 6th, 1935. Went to school all day. Came home and all the ladies were here to practice on the play. Uncle Jim was here on business. Velma came to spend the night. After supper, we sat around, talked, and played the piano and made popcorn. The bank is suing Uncle Will, and the poor man is nearly sick. He may sue them. Dang, that's some tea. Uncle Will was like yeah. the president of the bank oh. in Salem, Missouri. Oh, no, in Steelville. That's oh. where he lived. Oh. So he is being sued by the bank? Yikes. That is a big That's yikes. Not good. No wonder he's nearly sick. Yeah. So I went to his Steelville, the newspaper, mm-hmm. and I was looking mm-hmm. him up to see if there was anything about a trial or yeah. a- any scandal about it. And I couldn't find anything about him. But this very month, there's a mention in the paper mm-hmm. that says Mrs. William Underwood, who was ill with pneumonia, was reported to be a little better Sunday evening. Mm-hmm. So maybe the stress of mm-hmm. all this made them yeah. both sick. Yeah, right. Also, supper. We haven't said in a while that supper is what we call dinner today. 
That's and, exactly right. Yeah. And dinner was, was lunch. lunch. Mm-hmm. That's so, right. We had, I put a little post about that on Facebook and had everybody vote. And it was surprising hmm. to me how many people still say dinner and supper. I saw that. Yeah. I yeah. thought that was really interesting. And it's mostly like, I remember Virginia around that area. They yeah. still do that in well, Kentucky. When I was a little girl, it was always supper, but we didn't mm-hmm. call lunch dinner. We called lunch lunch. Right. So it was lunch and supper. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's neat. That's neat. February 7th, 1935. Went to school all day. Came home by town with Billy. Got the banner and some milk. Went to Mrs. Goodman's and practiced on a song. Helped the supper. We had a late supper with Velma. Went over the play twice. We're expecting Daddy home tonight. I hope he comes. Isn't that funny to live in a day where you're not sure if he's coming or not? Because mm-hmm, right. he's driving, he can't stop and make a phone yeah, call. Yeah, you have no clue. Right. I think they do have a phone at Grandma's house. Huh. Although, I, she doesn't really talk about somebody called me, so maybe huh. they don't have a That's phone. That's a great question. I wonder what the percentage of people who had phones at that time it's were. It's funny you say that, because I was looking for something else in the banner, and I don't know if it was this year. It must have been this year, because why would I look in past years after... Mm-hmm. A while. Right. But somebody, they were selling telephones in town, oh. and some girl who worked for the telephone office mm-hmm. sold the most. She sold eight phones. Uh, okay. Yeah, which is, you know, pretty, okay. but for a town of 600. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, right. yeah. We'll be going over and borrowing phones Maybe a lot. they didn't have a phone. Yeah, may, I don't think they did. They went to the bank to make phone calls. I guess, or down to the drugstore, right. or they just wrote letters, because yeah, you could right. get them the same day. Yeah, within an Maybe hour. Maybe that's why they're always writing letters. There you go. I think a stamp was two cents, right? Something like yeah, that. Wow. Yeah, probably. But Mrs. Goodman is Nadine's mom. Mm. She was born Mabel Murphy in 1897, and her dad died in 1901. So she was, what, four when her dad Mm. dies? That's so sad. Probably doesn't even remember him. Her mom will remarry a man named William Martin and have four kids with him. So Mrs. Goodman was part of a big family. Her husband was Rainy Goodman. He was a refrigerator salesman. But Mm -hmm. we met him when we met Nadine a way back. Mrs. Goodman was born in 1897, and she died in 1987. So the numbers kind of flip. Isn't that fun? Well, not for her. Well, um, she was nine. 90 or whatever that adds up to. I have no I have clue. no idea. Yeah, right. Yeah. But this caught my eye in the banner. And this was the banner. Oh, she just said she went to pick up the banner, mm-hmm. Elizabeth. Is that the bell banner? Yes. yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. But this is probably why she picked up that um, copy, because she wanted to see this article in the newspaper that says, Fluffy Haired Beauty Gives Up Secret Service Work. What does that mean? Exactly. <laughs> Fluffy Haired Margaret Davis. <laughs> Was playing the role of a sneaking detective last Saturday night, uh, entering right. the home of her parents, Mr. and Mrs. J.C. Davis. Oh. The freshman beauty queen spied someone entering the home of Mrs. McKinney, a neighbor. Oh. The thief was following the beam of a flashlight. What the? Margaret told her father, her father told her mother, and her mother told the telephone operator. <laughs> Meanwhile, that's <laughs> yes, that's 911. Meanwhile, a light flickered here and there from room to room throughout the house of Mrs. McKinney. Before the town's police force could arrive, an automobile brought relatives to the McKinney home, and the thief with the flashlight proved another relation. Oh, Miss, it was a relative. It was just a relative. You probably didn't know what room am I supposed <laughs> that, to be in? Right. That was verbose. I you know, so like, was. 
yeah. And it ended, Miss Davis gave up detecting and went back to her <laughs> school duties on Monday. I love it. <laughs> I wow. What a but cool, I love how they call her a fluffy-haired beauty. <laughs> I love that. They had a sense of humor, the Bell Banner. Well, Margaret Davis was one of the people up for Fair Queen. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. isn't right. that funny? So maybe mm-hmm. that's why Elizabeth went to get the paper. Yeah, she wanted to sense. save, probably put it in her memory book. Yeah. I wish we had that memory book. Oh, are you kidding? Are you kidding me? And then here's an interesting article in that same issue. Marvin Lortz buys Keeney Barbaric. So the Keeney Barbarics were the ones who got kicked out of the Baptist church because they sold liquor at their restaurant. Now they have sold this restaurant to Marvin Lortz. And it Hmm. says the Keeney Barbaric business, which dates back to 21 years ago, has been sold to Marvin Lortz. It has been announced. Hmm. The new manager took over the business Tuesday morning. The deal includes the business and goodwill and not the two-story brick structure. So I guess the... Keenies and Barbaric's owned the building, mm. mm-hmm. but they sold the business. So that's really interesting. And right in that same paper, Baptists extend fellowship to ousted members. <laughs> they got back they in. They got back in. Members of the Baptist Church right. in a business meeting Wednesday voted the hand of friendship right. to Mr. and Mrs. Floyd Barbaric and Mr. and Mrs. Charles Keeney. And Mr. and Mrs. Floyd Barbaric were present. The Keeneys didn't even show up. The hand of fellowship had been taken from them several months ago after Keeney and Barbaric announced they would continue the sale of liquor. <laughs> Later, however, the sale of liquor was stopped and their place of business was sold. Oh, so now they weren't of the devil after all. Yes, another fine. Okay. Yes. Well, hey. Oh, how, how lovely. But that <laughs> same hand of friendship was the hand of the bird a couple of months ago. Yeah. And I wonder if that meant that Mrs. Keeney got to play the piano again. Mm. I'm sure it did. And then Dot's probably like, hey, I'm doing fine. <laughs> so yeah right isn't that funny yes okay sin no more february 11th 1935 francis dean and i went to town after school today i went to abel's and borrowed a suit to wear in the play after supper helen and i went down to see mr bird's song about some songs for the funeral tomorrow went to the schoolhouse to practice went through both plays Gee, I'll be glad when it's all over. I hardly spoke to Carl today. (laughs) (laughs) What about Bill, Elizabeth? But Mr. Birdsong was the town druggist, and he owned the drugstore. Uh He was born Jesse Lee Birdsong in 1897, and he was the youngest of six children who grew up on a farm, but he managed to get himself an education and become a druggist, and he and his wife will end up having two children. Their daughter will actually end up going to college Mm -hmm. and will be one of the first female news reporters and editors in the country. Really? Isn't that neat? Yeah, totally. I know, I know. I should have done like a deep dive into her life, but I just figured that was getting us Uh a little off the rails. But we've met a bird song before. There was Mm -hmm. a bird song who lived in Step Rock, and she was a Native American, I'm assuming. That's right. His roots are that as well. And what was I going to say? A listener. Oh, remember when we talked about the George Moss story, and I was like, all these Native Americans had white people names? Yes. You know? And they said that was because when they forced them into those Indian schools... Like mm-hmm. the ones that they discovered all the dead bodies in Canada yes, recently, and all I that. I remember that they would take the young Indian children and, and make try them to white names. I give force give them to them. have white names, cut their hair, Oy. and force them into these American schools to Americanize mm-hmm. them. Yeah, it's a real tragic part of American and apparently also Canadian history as well. Yeah. But this viewer who told me this information mm-hmm. said that 
Hitler got the idea from concentration camps from these forced Indian. Wow. The things that we did to the Native Americans. No he kind of took that idea and said, oh, we can just round them up. And, and shave their heads and make them. Yeah. Yeah. Anonymous. I know. So, you know, mm-hmm. again, that was sent to me. I don't know if that's a million percent accurate because, mm-hmm. you know, you never know. Mm-hmm. But it sounds pretty good it to me. It sure does. And yeah. I know about the schools and things. But this funeral, Elizabeth is playing for a funeral. Yeah. And it was in the paper. Okay. And it says, Mother dies after operation. Oh. Tell the children to meet me and you in heaven. Goodbye. Oh. Well, were the last words of Mrs. Robert Thompson, who died after an operation at the Rolla Hospital Sunday, February 10th, 1935. Mm. Complication of disease was the cause of her death. Oh, so well, that, what a... Those are sad, sad last, last words. Sad last words, I know. So she left behind a husband and a couple of children, but Elizabeth played for her funeral, yeah. so that's really nice. February 12th, 1935. Practiced with the ladies at Miss Goodman's after school and went to town afterwards. After supper, we went up to the school for dress rehearsal. It's our last practice. Gee, I dread tomorrow night. I hope it all goes okay. Pete came back today. He said he was feeling poorly. Well, it's nearly 11 and I'm so sleepy. So we've already met Mrs. Goodman. That's Nadine's mom. I don't know who Pete is. Pete just popped out <laughs> of nowhere. Did. He's not, I don't mm-hmm. find him on the census, so he wasn't living yeah. there in 1930. Huh. I don't know who the heck that is. Pete came. Okay. Where did he go? Yeah, right. And who is he? <laughs> exactly. February 13th, 1935. Went to school all day. Francis and I went to town afterwards. I traded a dress for one to fit me. After supper, Francis and I went to the Fontenelle stock show at school. They gave Girl of the Flying U. It was pretty good. I'm so tired. I'll have a chance to rest when the play is over. We made $44 in something. I'm so sleepy. So good night. Mm, She certainly is sleepy a lot. Yeah, Yeah. and the blues and sleepy. Um, But remember way back when we did like her book list and stuff, one of the books she read was Chip of the Flying U. Yeah, that's right. And I wonder if Girl of the Flying U had anything to do with it. Yeah. I couldn't find anything. And it's like Flying U, like A E I O U. Yeah, it's just a U, like a a horseshoe. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Flying U. But her play went off well, according to the Bell Banner. Mm -hmm. It says, Greeted with Full House. The Ladies' Aid of Church of Christ present an evening's entertainment. Oh, and Mrs. John Terrell announced the attractions before they appeared. So that's All right. Bill's, Bill's mom, father. too. So it looks like it was a, yeah. a church thing. That's uh-huh. why. But big news. Ding, ding, ding. Right. In that same paper, nudist group is said to have <laughs> leased land. All right now. This woman writes a letter to the editor, and, and some then, guy's like, I'll buy right. some property. <laughs> Here's my new project. Get this. 80 acres of land near <laughs> Bell to be site for social groups in right, spring, no. I would say so. Oh, dear. Information that the land had been leased was supplied by Patrick Stack, former newspaperman of <laughs> Iowa and now associated with the Arthur Capper Publications, who says he saw the lease. He declined mm-hmm. to reveal the identity of the owner of the land or leasee. Church groups would fight the promotion of such a colony uh. here. Disclosure of any plans would not be given until those bringing the colony here could sufficiently establish themselves to warrant off any opposition by church groups. I love this the story. The camp will not be opened until May, it was said. Uh-huh. Well, I hope they don't open it in February. It'd I be a little say, chilly yes. to be a nudist. Yeah. 
But there you go. These nudists, man, they're coming for Belle. Hey. Oh, Lord, I can't imagine what everyone was thinking. <laughs> I know. Thinking. I love it. Oh, my These little God. side stories I think are so, so interesting. I, I mean, mean, they're in Marys County in the middle of Missouri. Yeah. Opening up a nudist camp. In 1935. In ni- <laughs> this is crazy to I me. I love the Belle band. I, oh, God. All I, I love it, too. <laughs> February 20th, 1935. Came home after school and went to town with Frances to get some more samples of dress goods she is selling. Looked at them in Fred's. After supper, Victoria came by and we got Margaret. We all practiced up at Miss Gallagher's for the first part of Drums of Fury. I am Zoletta, the woodwoman. <laughs> we played cards after we practiced. We had to walk part of the way home with Lucille. So, of course, this is announced in the paper because uh-huh. they have to make their little money. Drums, Drums of, of Fury. Fury is the play to be presented that evening. Margaret Gallagher is director. The cast of characters has been completed, but for the part of Miss Barnett, the mother, which will be announced later. So let's talk about people that we know. Victoria Maples is in it. So is Bernita Dickman. We've met her. Frances Hartzell is the maid. And Elizabeth Hartzell is an extra. Mm. So Samuel Licklider uh-huh. is in it. He's the guy who dies in World War II. Oh, right. Handsome Sam. His dad owns the funeral home in Bell, Missouri. That's something that I discovered later. Ray Wallace is in this play. So is Carl Wallace. Mm -hmm. So maybe that is the Carl. That she's it's sweet like on. high school musical around here, yeah. you know? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, Ray is not shy about his singing because he sang with her at that yeah. junior-senior program a couple of, last year. Okay. When she played for the senior Pirate Cove thing. Yes, yes. Ray was one of the singers. Oh, uh, well, you know. So they're not shy about their... Um, and they do a lot. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they keep themselves real busy. But she gets unhappy with the plays towards the end of rehearsal. I, I she think did she just gets tired. Yeah. You know, yeah. rehearsals, I'm in rehearsal right now yeah, and, and can be so tiring. tired. Right, right, And right, then right. run the show over. Yeah, and over yeah, yeah. And over. yeah, yeah, right. yeah. And how people do Broadway for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. But I would be afraid I'd check out. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like I've said it so many times, suddenly mm-hmm. I'm like, whoa, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. But let's meet our director, Margaret Gallagher. She was born Margaret George in Texas in 1909. Her dad was a farmer. And by 1920, they had moved to Missouri. She attended the Missouri State Teachers College and she married Norman Gallagher in 1933. One year later, her husband, Mr. Norman, will purchase the Bell Banner. Uh-oh, now. So she and her husband were running the paper. I now, I will well. say, I read his obituary, Norman's, yeah. and he was an extremely accomplished man. He graduated with two degrees in college, mm-hmm. was the editor of his college newspaper, mm-hmm. and was given an honorary doctorate in law. What wow, in the world? Smart man. Yeah, he must have written a lot about cases and judges okay. and courts and things cool. to get that. You know, yeah. Taylor Swift has an honorary doctorate in Really? Psychology. Really? Yeah. So honorary. But still, okay, but that still. means that they have a lot of respect for you, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Norman Gallagher cool. worked for the Associated Press for years, and then he came to Bell and bought the banner, mm-hmm. and he won multiple news awards for the paper. Mm-hmm. And he was a member of every club in town, including the school board. He was a busy, busy, busy man. Mm-hmm. Norman died in 1987, and Margaret will die in 2003. Now, mm-hmm. 
I would have known that the Bell Banner got purchased because lately I've been reading it since yeah. what 1934. It's really changed. How has it? The fonts have changed. I was it's wondering. a clearer, easier paper okay. to navigate. It has a funny page now. Okay. And it also has some syndicated columns, like a Will Rogers column. All right. It has a Washington D.C. like what's going mm-hmm. on column, and it has like a love advice column oh. where you can write in and like a dear Abby. Yeah. So he's made a lot of changes to the paper since he's been there that are all very. Do you good. read the entire thing? I, I read every headline and, and then, then I, determine. And see if it's worth gotcha. reading. Because I'm not going to read about hogs. I and, mean, when you're talking about the Bell Banner, this ain't no one pager. No, this is a weekly paper mm-hmm. and it ha- it's a six to eight page paper. There you go. And I, yeah, I'm flipping through every page. I'm, and mm-hmm. the personals, I have to read all of them because you never know whose <laughs> name wild. is going to pop up. Which is interesting in newspapers.com. I have mm. found so many mentions of Elizabeth and Francis and Bess. But if you go to newspapers and put in Elizabeth Hartzell and you su- te- yeah. check the Bell Banner, and put in the year, you're going to get zero returns. Do you know why that is? I guess their uh, AI I just can't can't pick it up yet. The, the it's the not PDF that or good. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. It, but sometimes it does, and then sometimes it I know. doesn't. It's yeah. really it's so frustrating because it's hard. It takes hours to read all those papers. I'm sure. And when I was looking for something else about her, I went to a St. Louis paper. Mm-hmm. It was in 70 pages. And I looked at every page trying to find something that you and Uh, I have been looking uh, for for a while, and it wasn't there. No. And I found out big newspapers like that, because I called the St. Louis Library. Okay. And newspapers like that, they had a first edition and Uh, then a second edition later later in the the day. day. And the what we've been looking for... It was not in the edition that got picked up for microfilm and for the in the Oh, web. my. Aw. But I do have an On This Day for February 20th of 1935. Mm-hmm. And I actually got this story from an article in the Bell Banner. So that shows you how much um, this oh. paper is improving. Yeah. It says, German executions, yeah. baroness and typist. And then it says, espionage. Mm-hmm. Berlin. The beautiful golden-haired Baroness von Berg and Frau von Natzer were beheaded by the public executioner today for espionage and high treason, Hitler having refused appeals for clemency. So here's the story. This Baroness von Berg Mm -hmm. was having an affair with Baron Sosnowski, and he was a Polish officer, and he he had access to the Germans' general staff for the invasion of Poland. Mm -hmm. They decided they didn't want Poland invaded, Mm -hmm. and they snuck these papers out and sent them. They were spies, basically, and they got caught. They were, all three of them were arrested, the Baron, the Baroness, and her typist. Oh. This other woman, what was her name? Uh, Frau von Natzer. Mm-hmm. So they were all arrested. During their, they were in prison for a long time for the trial to come about. Mm-hmm. The Baron uh, Sosnowski and Baroness von Berg actually got married mm-hmm. while they were in, in prison. prison. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> Why not? That's nice. But they were beheaded, and it describes it. The Yikes. Baroness was the first to die at the hands of the executioner. She wore the traditional evening dress and white gloves. Uh, huh. um, but it turns out the man ended up not getting beheaded because oh. they ended up trading him for German POWs. Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. Behead the woman. Yeah. So Again. both, yeah, both the, the woman and her typist. 
Wow. I know. And, you know, if all of y'all are interested mm-hmm. in spy stories and espionage, I had put on Facebook once that I was looking for a book to read. Uh-huh. I like historic fiction. Yes. And someone recommended a book called A Woman of No Importance. Uh-huh. And it was a biography, but it read like a novel of mm-hmm. an American woman who moved to England who became a spy for England in France uh-huh. during World War II. Uh-huh. It's a great story. Really? And she ended up, I mean, she didn't get medals and awards and mm-hmm. you know, the men above her who sent her on these dangerous missions they get the medals and the Mm -hmm. awards it was a wonderful book i highly recommend it to Mm -hmm. any of my historical fiction fans february 24th 1935 went to sunday school and church this morning mr ridenauer told about francis's dream and made me so mad after dinner francis and i went to the drugstore othello fixed our drinks mabel came in and we went riding with her went up to her house played dominoes and listened to the radio. After supper, I went to C.E. and stayed for church. He preached a good sermon. It was raining afterwards. It's still raining. I wish I could have a good, sweet disposition and not ever say anything hateful. (laughs) This poor girl. (laughs) Why does she say that's hateful? She beats up on herself, but she doesn't even say anything that's hateful. I know. So I mean, maybe she thinks I don't it. know who this Mr. Ridenauer is. I'm mm. assuming he's the well, Sunday school the teacher. Well, we don't I mean the Ridenauers yeah. are a big family in town. Okay. But I don't know what about Francis's dream, what she confided in him uh, and that he told everybody. Yeah. Ooh, be careful mm. who you tell stuff to. February 22nd, 1935. Wrote in my music notebook, played the piano. There is a circus at the school tonight. I don't care anything about going. We've been here a year today. It seems longer. So much has changed since then. And there isn't a page, well, there is a page mm-hmm. for February 29th, because you know, in five years, mm-hmm. it's going to happen at least once. So she always writes mm-hmm. a little extra thing in the February, and this is what she says. Again, it isn't leap year, and I rather wish it were, so maybe I would feel freer to make a few advances ah, I have in mind. okay. <laughs> a few. Okay, so there's Carl and Bill, yeah. so that's, and, that's a few. And the leap year, the girl can make the advance yes. for a month, perhaps? I don't know if it's on that day limit? or if it's oh, the whole okay. year. Okay. I yeah. say give your whole year. Sure. Yeah. So the Bell Banner also had a huge article about the Hauptmann trial. This is the man who mm. kidnapped the Lindbergh oh. baby. And what I found, the trial apparently is over. He's been found guilty, but there's mm-hmm. going to be an appeal and another trial, and everyone's really exhausted about it. But what I found really cool about this article is that a lot of people think he's not guilty. He, huh. What he claimed was that a, a German friend of his mm-hmm. gave him all this money and said, I got to get out of town. Hold on to this money. I'll be back. And then over the course of months and months when he didn't return, mm-hmm. Hauptmann just started spending the money, not realizing that it was marked money because when so, they... Mm-hmm. They they got I think the ransom for the Lindbergh baby was like fifty thousand dollars. So when Lindbergh dropped off that money, it was all marked so they could trace uh, it and find the kidnapper. Tra- so that would also make me think that this guy wasn't the mastermind behind yeah, this. I, He's spending money that someone else gave him well, to who hold kidnapped on. Kidnapped the baby. Who knows? Oh, okay. I, I mean that if it wasn't this Hauptman fellow, the world will never, never know, know because he was convicted for it. What was more mm-hmm. interesting in this article is it said the question of who paid for the Hauptman defense is almost as great a mystery as anything that was introduced in the trial. Mm-hmm. The accused had no money, and it is not likely that Riley and his associates, I guess those are his attorneys, served for nothing. There is a story that a newspaper publisher provided a 
Defense Fund. Walter Winchell says it was provided by a dye firm. And there is the theory that the German Nazis put up the money. Wow. I know. <clears throat> I know this whole thing. Huh. So the, all the weirdness that went around this trial yeah. is really um, odd. But Hauptmann was convicted and eventually executed wow. for it. And that's oh. the only time that Elizabeth mentions it in her diary. She will just write, Hauptmann was killed today. Wow. And if you didn't know who he was, yeah. I, and that... I didn't at the time. Okay. It was, it was a real mystery. I had to unravel who the heck she's talking about. Isn't that cool? I know. It's very, very cool. March 1st, 1935. Went to school this morning. Didn't do anything but a little typing. Didn't go back this afternoon. Bill came over and asked me to go to the show. He came back after so long a time and took us up there. Bill was drinking, and I was not about to go, but just couldn't help it. He's in trouble, and he needs me to help him out. Daddy was here when we got back. He's going to keep his job. Hmm. So she's hmm. getting closer to... Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Bill, but now he's drinking. Now he's drinking. And she's one of those women who's like, my love will cure him. I know, oh. exactly. So, oh, oh, wow, He's I in trouble and he needs me to help him out. Oh. And this was interesting in the paper. Okay, you know how Keeney and Barbaric just sold their business mm -hmm. to um, Marvin Lortz? Mm. In the newspaper, it says, Marvin Lortz has added a line of liquors to uh -huh. his cafe. <laughs> yep, that was my question. Now he's of the devil. So he apparently ain't no Baptist. <laughs> right, right. <clears throat> but I thought that's I funny. It only took a month. Came. Yeah. He sure, it sure did. <laughs> March 2nd, 1935. After an early dinner, we all got ready and went to Jefferson City. We shopped. Francis got a new pair of shoes. Dean and Helen got a pair. I got a hat and a banquet dress. It's light blue. Mother got a hat. Oh, I can just picture it. Oh, I know. She yeah. probably needs it for like the graduation right. and the school stuff going on. Do you know that I just realized today uh -huh. that Dean and Helen's name are Ellen Dean and Helen Jean? Really? Yeah, yeah. 
Oh, <laughs> those are their names. That is odd. I know because I was looking at that Helen older Dean census because yeah. of the person who sent us the 1910 info. Yeah, and was I was clicking and looking through things, and yeah, it popped up. And then you have Mary Elizabeth. Yes, and uh, then Francis Elizabeth, right? Uh, I don't so know. So I think it's name? Elizabeth. I think it's Francis Elizabeth. Okay. Yeah, and okay. and then of course Bess is. Elizabeth Francis. Yeah. So it's just, you know, spin the wheel, <laughs> pick from these five names. Sounds like right. <laughs> yeah. March 4th, 1935. Daddy left for work this morning. I went to school. People are accusing Bill of spending the class money. He has flashed so much around. I don't believe Bill would do anything like that. I'm not going with him anymore. Like he said, he broke his promise to me. <clears throat> oh, no. What is Bill doing stealing school money? Yeah. His dad's a prominent attorney. Yeah. What's up with Bill? And I guess the promise he broke was drinking. Because she's uh, yeah. probably like, let's get back together, That's but right. don't drink. She's done. That's why they broke up the first yeah, time. Yeah, it is. And smoking. Tiger doesn't change her spots That's or right. stripes. stripes. <laughs> Same Tiger thing. doesn't change its <laughs> spots. <laughs> March 5th, 1935. I went to Aura's with Bernice before practice. She said Bill took the money up to Mr. Kaiser right after school was out. Well, thank God. He returned oh, the money. okay. Yeah, thanks. So he did take it. He took it. Yeah, but he returned it. Yep, yeah. Oh, yeah. God, but well, still, good. that's yeah. that'll ruin your reputation for the rest sure of the school year. Sure will. March 6th, 1935. Billy came home after school with me, saw my new dress. After supper, we went to practice. Everyone was there. Gee, I have the blues so badly. Nobody cares anything about me. Bill was at school today. I didn't look at him. Why did he have to do it? I hate it, though, when she's so I know. sad. I hate that, too. Nobody cares anything I know. about me. That brings a little tear to my I eye. I know. That makes me sad, too. I know. She's just Especially not... her. She's so sweet, and I'm sure everybody cares about her. Of course they you know? do. She's just... It's, she's, she's young. There are hormones. Right. Bill let her down. Yeah. She's brokenhearted. He stole. Yeah. She's embarrassed. Yeah. Bless her right. little heart. March 7th, 1935. After dinner, we went to our last practice for the play. We still acted crazy and didn't get down to business. Gee, I wish I had Bill back. Oh, no <laughs> way. The next freaking day. The very next day. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, all right. I'm telling you, he must oh, be Tommy Bird gorgeous. Yeah. For her to be like, right. come on. Yeah, right. Come on, get it together and date me. Yeah, right. Well, but here we go. All right. March 8th, 1935. We got a letter from Daddy today. He says we will move to Marble Hill. After school gets out. All right, now. So, okay, here's another move for the family. This is a lot of moving. But the distance between Marble Hill and Bell would be about a three-hour drive today. So it's probably a little longer than that back then. Marble Hill is southeast of Bell, Mm -hmm. and this is a bit of a downgrade in town as far as Mm -hmm. size goes. Mm -hmm. In the 1930 census, Bell had a population of 630 people, and Marble Hill only had 421. Okay. You know what's really interesting? Is it in the 1940 census, mm-hmm. Marble Hill only had 421 people? They, they went so down it was a, a perfect. It was a perfect. No, they went. They had the exact they same number. Oh, oh, 421 and 421. Oh, okay. So it's the death and birth ratio was perfect. Wow, isn't that weird? <laughs> Today, Marble Hill has a population of 1,388 people. All right. So there will be fewer people for Elizabeth to date. 
Yeah. It's a smaller town. She has no idea what she's walking into. Yeah. She's graduating from high school. She'll be, quote, an adult. Uh-huh. So I only hope and pray that they have a newspaper that is online. Yes. If they don't, I'm going to have to drive to Marble Hill. Are we going to go to Marble Hill soon? Uh-huh. Like it's March 8th, 1935. Well, after she school said after school. Out. So we have to get her through graduation. Okay. All right. March 9th, 1935. Went to school to practice on the good ship lollipop with the girls. It was darling. After dinner, Frances and I went with Margaret and Mrs. Davis up to the school. We fixed up the stage. Went to borrow what we needed. After a little supper, we went up to the schoolhouse. We had our play. Gee, I'm glad it's over. We got a letter from Dad today. Dad? Yeah, probably like, start packing. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. March, she called him dad, oh, is what I oh, mean. She oh, called him dad, not dad. That's the first time. Okay. Yeah, we'll start. It'll go back and forth for a while, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. it'll be solid dad. dad. Yeah. Oh, so good of you to pick up on that. You're so smart. Mm-hmm. March 11th, 1935. Went to school all day. Went with Frances to deliver some of her goods this afternoon. We went to Lucille's and Mabel's. Stayed there quite a while. After supper, we went to a party Mrs. Gallagher gave for the play cast. All of them were there. I danced with Dewey a little. Had a better time than I thought I would. Hmm. Dewey is Mm -hmm. a Ridenauer, and he's Ray Ridenauer's son. And in last week's episode, Mm -hmm. Ray Ridenauer had unalived himself. He'd shot himself in the side. So that was just a couple of months ago. So Dewey's doing all right. He's out. He did a play. Yeah, he he was in that cast list for that play. Uh So he's keeping busy and dancing with Elizabeth. Poor little Dewey. Deep down, though, oh, his poor father. Anywho, Dewey's mom will remarry in 1939 Mm -hmm. to a man named Livingston, but she is buried with her first husband, Mm -hmm. and her date is inscribed on the tomb, so Mm. maybe, I don't know, maybe she's not there, maybe they just put her date. But after she dies, her second husband marries Cora Barbaric of the disgraced Baptist family. Oh, right, they're popping up all over. (laughs) Right, and and Dewey gets married in 1941 on Christmas Eve and has two daughters. Oh, good for her. So Dewey had a nice little I mean him, wait. That's Dewey. Yeah. That she's dancing with. Mm-hmm. March 13th, 1935. Came home from school and went to town with Francis. After supper, I stayed here by myself to get my bookkeeping. I couldn't find part of it that I had done on scrap paper. Wrote a letter to Reva. I guess we'll move to Marble Hill or Lutesville after school is out. I guess I'll be glad after it's all over but the moving. Remember mm-hmm. when she was leaving Step Rock mm-hmm. and she's like, oh, I wish we didn't have to. And after all yeah. the, not complaining, but after all the hardship, leaving here, yeah. she's ready to go. She really is. I mean, Belle just uh, wasn't, she wasn't as popular this time around. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, she dated, but she didn't get the boy she wanted necessarily. Mm-hmm. And then he was drinking and stealing. And and she had been gone from Belle for a few couple of years. A fr- yeah, a year, a, a year and a half. A, uh, uh-huh. Yeah, important right. years. Yeah, so to come so, back and reinvent herself yeah, right. didn't go over so well. But hmm. now she gets a fresh start as an right? adult. So that'll yeah. be fun. March 19th, 1935. Had a terrible headache and came home from school. After supper, of which I ate very little, I looked at Francis's makeup samples with Billy, who came before supper. We listened to our two new records and danced a little. Billy wrote in my memory book, 
I still wish I had Bill. But it's futile. (laughs) (laughs) At least she's not in denial. That's for sure. But here's that memory book again. She had people write all over it in Step Rock. And now she knows she's leaving. She's told Billy. And Uh Billy is signing her memory book. So let's meet Billy. Uh, yeah, okay. I'm so ready. Yeah. Start off by saying, I have a picture of Billy. Oh. And he's an incredibly good-looking oh, fellow. Oh, right. It's from his college yearbook, but let's look. So he was born William Frederick Underwood, who went by Billy with an I-E until later in life when he'll go by Bill. Mm-hmm. He was born in St. Louis on the 24th of April in 1918. Of course, we, he, they moved to Bell after his father's second wife died really tragically, and he's lived with his grandparents, the Lindeners. Hmm. In the same year that Elizabeth moves away, there's a new feature in the Bell Banner called Along Main Street, and it's like things that are overheard on the street. So it's <laughs> oh just like, it's like a bullet notes of like little things like for example Uh it'll say things like willard there's a new girl in town earl how are the bathing beauties on sunday Stella, you better keep Ken away from bird songs if you wish to have a good time at the picnic. Oh my God, I, I mean, don't want that. No, no, <laughs> this paper. is bad. And they have one about Bill, the very month oh. that, that Elizabeth is talking to him about his memory book. It says, did anyone see Bill Underwood's friend? I think he's bashful. Oh. What the hell is that? Does that mean, <gasps> I, are they talking about Billy or Bill. Yeah, because she calls him Billy, but everybody calls They're him talk- Bill. And the older what? he's getting, he goes by Bill. They just outed him, I think if I'm just, not mistaken, I think in they the Bell did. Banner. I believe, because some of these are not nice. Mm-hmm. Let me think. Oh, look. Margaret, you better watch Pumpkin. He's going to Arlington too much. What? What does that mean? I don't know, but it's not good. <laughs> it's saying, Mar- I don't know who Pumpkin is, but you know it's Belle. Uh-huh. Everybody's got a nickname. So Margaret better watch out to Pumpkin because he's going, that's either another town uh-huh. or, oh, or like a, a horse track. No who good. knows? Anyway, and it's signed, Chinningly Yours, Ezra. Uh-oh. I know. So this feature mm. will not last that long in the Bell Banner, <laughs> and there's really good reason for it. Oh. But that's the first mention of Bill. We'll call him Bill now. Okay. Well, let's call him Billy. Um, that's the first mention of Billy in the paper that I found. Okay. So then in 1938, yeah. oh, and of course, he's in. he graduates the same year from high school as Elizabeth. Uh-huh. So in the high school announcement in the paper, his name is listed as William F. Underwood, which okay. is his formal name. Sure. So in 1938, there's a college announcement about him. It says... Says Bill Underwood, who visited during the holiday season with his parents, Mr. and Mrs. Fred Underwood, returned Sunday to his school duties at the University at Columbia. Bill is taking four art courses. He was accompanied to Lynn by Mr. and Mrs. Boyd Underwood. Mm. Boyd is his big brother, okay. who's now married. So Bill's in college taking art courses. Mm-hmm. Well, we knew he was a drawer and a yeah. designer. And then in 1942, yeah. this article appeared, Bill Underwood, who has been employed as a drafting engineer at Fort Leonard Wood, came home Monday to spend two weeks with his grandmother before going into army training. (gasps) So Uh he got drafted in 1942. When was that? 
1942. And but mm. then, have no fear, in 1943, it says Sergeant Bill Underwood. Wow. Oh, so he's a sergeant. A student at Syracuse University, Syracuse, New York, hmm. came Monday for a short visit with his father and his grandmother. I don't know if he just served hmm. a year and now he's using the GI Bill like my dad mm. did, but he's going to Syracuse. That's Neat. one of the wow. colleges Sophie is applying to. All right. So that's then. Then in 1945, mm-hmm. his sister Zola May gets married in Rhode Island at the First Baptist Church. And in this case, that's literal. It was, it was the, the first. first Baptist church ever in the United States. Really? We have a First Baptist church in Charleston yeah. that's also a first, but it's the first Southern Baptist uh-huh. church. And it was established in the 1680s. And I think this one was like the 1670s. Wow. So, But his sister gets married in Rhode Island. Yeah. I don't know how she got out there, yeah, right. but it's a lovely article. Uh, the bride wore a rose-colored dress with black accessories oh. and a corsage of pink rosebuds. Thank you, Billy. The groom wore a navy blue monkey suit. Monkey suit? I thought that was I want weird, one. too. Well, a what monkey, is it? A monkey suit is any three-piece suit. They uh, just called them monkey okay. suits back then because it looked like an organ yes. grinder's monkey. Yes, yes. Right? But it mentions in her wedding announcement... You know Billy dressed up her, dressed her up. Yeah, of course. Of course. Are you kidding me? Of course he did. <laughs> but it says at the end, she will visit her brother, Bill Underwood, in New York before she returns. Okay. Aw. Yeah. So there's So he lived another. in New York. So uh, now, city, right? He, well, it just or, says New York okay. in 1945. I'm not 100% sure where he is, but I would assume okay. it's New York City. Then in 1949, yeah. there's another thing in the banner. It says, William Underwood to Paris. Uh. William Underwood, who has been studying art and design in New York City, plans to sail for Paris next month, where he is to study for a year. William, son of the late... Fred Underwood, and a grandson of Miss Leora Lindner of Bell, has won several honors and awards in the art field since he has been in the East. I love him. Oh, sweet little Bill, and so handsome. And then, this is in 1950, Bill Underwood in Paris. Mrs. Fred Underwood of Bell received a letter Tuesday from her stepson, Bill Underwood of New York City, stating that he arrived in Paris and was enjoying the beauty of the city. Mm. Bill is staying with a friend, Mm -hmm. Fernando Bach, Mm -hmm. who lives there, but vacations part of the year in New York with Uh him. Uh He plans to take an eight-month course in dress designing in art school. Good for them. So he has a friend. I love it. He has a friend who lives in Paris and sometimes in New York York. with, with Bill. That's a that's a I nice that. that's a nice little relationship little setup. to get to go back and forth from Paris to New York. You bet. I couldn't find Fernando love- Bach yeah, because I would need a European and yeah. even then it'd be in French. Uh-huh. And my French isn't that good, but he had a little isn't French that something? friend. Isn't that lovely? Yes. And then I find him again in 1954. Yeah. It says, Mrs. W.F. Lindner received word this week that her grandson, Bill Underwood of New York City, had left the hospital last week after receiving treatment for an overtired condition. Oh, no. Exhaustion. I, I guess he's yeah. working too hard. Yeah. Or, uh-huh. You don't know Who what knows? an overtired, but that's a, that was a mention. Uh-huh. Then I find, and I don't find another one until 1960, okay. where Bill Underwood of New York City spent Christmas with his brother-in-law and sister, Mr. and Mrs. Pat O'Rourke in Alabama. And then, this is the best article, and I just found this today. It's from 1963. The top says, designed by uncle. 
and the headline says, Bridal Party Attire, Young Bride's Dream. One of the many problems of a wedding is the bride's selection of the wedding gown and the attendant's dresses. When Sally B. Underwood, daughter of Boyd L. Underwood, delivery man in the Four Corners Division at Long Beach, became the bride of Mr. Ronald Watson last October, the selection of dresses had been easy, and the results were a young bride's dream. All the dresses had been designed Mm -hmm. and made especially for the wedding by David Morris Company of New York City, exclusive, oh, I can never say that word, courtier for bridesmaid and cocktail dresses. Sally's uncle, Bill Underwood, Mm -hmm. formerly a Paris designer, Mm -hmm. and now with David Morris designed all the dresses, Mm -hmm. and he and his head seamstress made the bridal gown and Mrs. Underwood's dress in New York, while the attendance dresses were made by company seamstresses. Wow. Billy. Billy. Okay, so uh, here we go. Bill Underwood learned the fundamentals of sewing at the age of eight from Mm -hmm. his grandmother, Mrs. Lindner, after their mother died. His grandmother felt the boys should be able to keep buttons and tear in their clothes repaired. Mm -hmm. During the middle 1930s, when he's with Elizabeth, he assisted the family budget by helping design and create his sister's wardrobe. (laughs) Isn't that wonderful? He made money off of it. It's great. I love it. I do too. In college, he took art courses, Mm -hmm. but ended his scholastic endeavors with a degree in civil engineering from Mm. the Rolla School of Mines at Mm. Rolla, Missouri. He used this knowledge during his years in the Army and upon discharge obtained a position with a map company in New York City. In 1950, after five years as a mapsman, he decided to try his ability as a clothes designer. With only $28 in his pocket and a one-way steamship ticket, he set out for Paris. Soon, his funds had dwindled to only $1, and he felt he might have to return to the United States. However, the firm of Marcel Rochas decided to give the young American a chance. His first assignment was to design the firm's fall collection. This was quite an achievement since Underwood was the first American ever to design a complete show for a major Paris design house. No way! Little Billy? Isn't that something? Yeah, good stuff. Bill returned to the United States in the spring of 1952 and joined the David Morris firm in New York. (laughs) It's not every bride who has the good fortune of having a talented dress designer in the family. Mm. Certainly, Miss Watson treasures her wedding dress and will keep it carefully stored. Who knows? 20 years from now, a young Watson may be walking down the aisle in this Underwood creation. Oh my God, I almost started to cry reading that. Billy. Billy. We're going to just assume Billy was gay. Yeah. And what's even more interesting in assuming his sexuality, he never marries. Mm -hmm. He lives with that friend. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, he could have been straight. They're straight male designers. They're straight male Mm -hmm. hairdressers and all. But if he were a a gay man, he lived through the AIDS crisis. When did he die? He died in 1992. Mm. Scary times. It was a very, very especially. Do you know in how New he York. died? No. Okay. I can't. I have searched high and low. He died in okay. Pine Bush, New York. So this is about an hour outside of the city, uh-huh. in a beautiful little town. That you know what it looked like? What? It looked like Bell, Missouri. <laughs> I bet he felt it really at home, oh. even though he's a big city and a big Parisian yeah. guy. But isn't that funny? He designed wedding gowns and bridesmaids' how dresses for a living. Oh, I, I bet some fabulous? of these pictures of Elizabeth, maybe he designed 
that one where she's, you know, it's her profile, I, you know, how... Who's to say? Who's to say? What, because he did make her address. Yeah. And I, uh, well, she wouldn't have been around to know a whole lot about that. Well, she would have known about the Sally Underwood dress. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That was 63, 64. Um, I wonder if she kept in touch with Billy. I wonder. I, I, I bet she did because she's such a good correspondent. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I'll ask But to write him a letter while he's in Paris. Yeah, I know. Well, I mean, she's not keeping a diary when he goes to Paris. So we'll never know what yeah. she thought about that. Right. Oh, so sweet, Billy. Rest I, I in love, peace. His totally. tombstone yeah. is in New York. It says William F. Underwood, and it has his death date, November 5th, 1992. And it, it's inscribed, One Loved by God. All right. Aww. And it makes me See? think when you make a statement like that on a gay man's grave, yeah. it's like God loves you, even yeah. if people maybe in the 1990s were not wow. treating you yeah, that for way. For sure. For sure. I mean, back that was, then. It was back then. Horrible. I mean, still a little bit now. Yep. A it's, little. So, it's easier I mean, for gay people to come out now, but in the 80s yeah, and 90s, it was bad. It was bad. And then you, and then you throw in AIDS yeah. and people today. It was just terrifying for the, for the world at that of, point. Of course. Yeah. But, oh my God. How awful. Hmm. Anyway. So RIP. Oh, and uh, if you go to Pine Bush, New York today, mm-hmm. I did look at it because I thought, well, maybe we'll go. Maybe we'll take the train right. out there if we Let's go to the it. city one day. And their number one attraction mm-hmm. is the Pine Bush UFO and Paranormal Museum. All right. <laughs> we are going now. So this whole um, podcast, I make jokes about people being abducted by aliens. Yeah, maybe perfect. they're all in Pine Bush. Yep. Billy drives the ship. <laughs> That's right. Good old Coming Billy. Coming down with the UFO. Oh, sweet Billy. March 21st, 1935. After supper, Louise came by and we went to practice. There really wasn't any use of my going. I didn't do anything but practice once. We were walking down the street. Bill and Toasty were behind us. Bill walked home with me. We sat on the porch and talked. Nothing but school affairs, however. So okay. she's still talking to Bill. But here's another good old mm-hmm. Bell nickname. Here comes Toasty. Toasty. Never find this. And here's another <laughs> along Main Street yeah. thing. It yeah, said, yeah. Miss Margaret Davis is wearing a ring. Oh, right now. Spill it. A couple of entries ago, yeah. Miss Margaret Davis told Elizabeth and yeah. Francis a secret. Uh-huh, that's and it. now they're outing her on the street because she's wearing a <laughs> ring. Now, they don't say what ring finger she's wearing, but I know she doesn't get married until 1939. Okay. She marries a man named Jack Johnson, who is a teacher mm-hmm. at Bell High School. Mm-hmm. By 1950, they've moved to Neosho, Neosho, it's N-E-O-S-H-O, Missouri. Mm. I don't know. Uh, it doesn't look like they ever had any children, mm. but Margaret's mom and her brother are living with them in the 1950s. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be Buddy. Buddy is 17 years old in 1950. Um, and it looks like they took in them because Mr. Davis had died in 1947. Okay. So they probably had nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. And I don't see that Buddy ever got married. Mm-hmm. And that could just be records after mm-hmm. 1950. But mm-hmm. I do see that he grew up to became a doctor. Okay. And maybe that came about because his dad died mm-hmm. at a young age. Mm-hmm. And he mm-hmm. thought, oh, I can take care of people. So isn't that sure. the Dr. Buddy? Dr. Buddy. <laughs> March 26, 1935. Louise and I decided to go on a hike. We told Mother and then went downtown and got some lunch. We started up the railroad to Overhead Bridge, and Toasty and Bill followed us. We fooled around, ate our supper, fooled around, came back, and it was about nine when we got home. Mother was so worried, she had the whole town aroused. Gossip! 
Woof. <laughs> and this made the paper. No. It says, several big girls were out hiking late the other evening. Their smaller sisters were searching the neighborhood for the lost lambs. <laughs> You have, got, and they're talking about Louise and Elizabeth. Yes, they are. <laughs> and can you mind? She's like Dean, Helen, get out yeah. there and look for your sister. Oh my! And it made God. the paper. Well, I guess yeah. I guess Gossip. Bess was so worried. Yeah. Because in May at nine, it's probably yeah. getting dark. Yeah. So, oh my <laughs> gosh! Make the paper. It sure did. They got in trouble. Oh. March twenty eighth, nineteen thirty five. Went to school today. The music department gave an assembly program. I was pianist. After school, I came home and addressed my invitations. We got them this morning. Francis gave me my first graduation present, a dance set. We went by for Louise after supper, and we went to the ball games. March wrap-up, 1935. I've been with Bill three times, and that's all I've been with anyone. It roused the whole town. I think we're moving to Marble Hill when school gets out. So there when you go. She have says it. she's been with Bill three times. I think you know on official dates. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, apparently, well, because when she the night he was drinking, it yeah. looks like that was a that date. Was one. And then she says yeah. in the next entry, "I'm not going with him anymore." Yeah. And then the next one, she goes. And with then him. and the, <laughs> yes, <laughs> and then maybe she counted that sitting on the porch talking about right. school stuff. Exactly. Who knows what she counts as a date? Yeah. But anyway, that's where I like to wrap up because I like to start next episode with her 18th birthday. All right. And high school graduation will be coming up. Mm-hmm. They're going to be making a move to Marble Hill. The world is changing on us once again. I guess this would be the end of season three. You think? Uh, Yeah, yeah, because we could spend a whole season in Bell because they're there for a year. So, yeah, so season three is coming upon us. We are cranking this out, y'all. If you want to get next week's episode, the first 30 minutes, right this minute, head over to our Patreon at the $10 level. It will be up. I apologize for the snafu of last week when that one didn't get up in a timely manner. But we've switched podcast hosts and new things are happening for My Grandma's Diaries. So if you want to support our production, please head over to the Mm -hmm. Patreon. But also... I can see how many people download our episodes weekly. And if that number of people Uh actually wrote just one little review for us, this podcast would really take off and be something. So if you are on episode 23 and you haven't taken the minute to give us five stars or write, just say, I love this podcast, please do it. It would would really, really help our our endeavors. But in the meantime, we look forward to having next week's episode up for you soon. And... See you next Tuesday. Bye, ciao. That was great. That was fun. That was a good episode, right? Totally. Yep. Yeah. Okay, y'all. Bye. Enjoy. Goodbye. This is Sam Anselmo from Branson, Missouri, and you're listening to Grandma's Diaries.